Hello, welcome to How to Write a Novel. I'm literally sitting in a tree right now. But, can you hear that? Probably. If you listen real carefully, I can hear traffic way off in the distance. These woods, man, visually they're great. Sitting in a tree, sun's almost down, it's all creepy and woodsy, but these woods are a lot better when I got headphones in and I'm listening to music and I can just pretend that there's not cars all around. But anyway, uh, I'm going to put this episode out on my birthday. So if you're listening to this the day it drops, it's my birthday. Several years ago, I took my birth date off of Facebook just because... I mean, it's that shocking thing when you get older, that it's like, holy fuck, another year went by already? What the fuck? But also, man, just like, yeah, there'd be people that's like, I haven't talked to that person all year. And I get the dumb little Facebook, happy birthday message, and it's like, I started to realize, like, dude, the last three times I've talked to that person were just because Facebook told them it was my birthday. I've had enough of this. But y'all are my peeps, my writing peeps. So you guys can be in on the birthday shenanigans. Man, I don't know why that's bumming me out so much, the traffic thing. <laughs> I guess it's because I've been walking through this woods for, for hours, you know? Like, I'll go walk and sit on this fallen log and read some manga on my phone and do some writing. And then uh, go hike through this little ravine part, go up to where there's like some benches, sit down, watch some dumb YouTube videos I downloaded and do some writing and then hike through this other part and like, you know, just break up the day. Let my little brain settle every time with some entertainment and then do some writing. I mean, I've been in here for hours. And I just never realized that there was the traffic sound the whole time. I mean, this is definitely leading to me being a weird hermit someday, right? <laughs> <You know? laughs> Like, I remember saying in Japan how uh, nice it was that all my Airbnbs had different levels of internet problems. Because I just liked living without the internet. I liked waking up in the morning and not checking my fucking email and not staying up all night looking at internet boobs. And just like all the nice uh, calmness that comes with being disconnected. But it's just really tough to do, you know? There's internet everywhere in the world. It's just floating in the air. But same thing with traffic noise. Like, I should just be in a cabin in the woods. That should be my life. I don't know, I guess that's a goal, right? <laughs> Something to work toward my exit from society. Anyway, the point of this podcast, this is actually, uh, this happened a little while ago, but at this point, everything's just going so slow, you know? It's funny how... This like podcast has just slowed down more and more where for the first 50 days it was daily and then roughly weekly and then, I don't know, bi-weekly. Now it's definitely monthly. It's a monthly podcast because I'm just grinding along and I think it's still relevant to keep making these and posting them because I am still working on the book and I, it's like it's going well. It's going better than in the past when I stopped working on stuff. I haven't stopped, I'm still going, but it's going so fucking slow that I think very occasional updates are plenty. But this has been kind of cool because I hit this gigantic, enormous milestone, and uh, this has happened before where I'll hit these big points in the story without realizing I'm gonna hit them. It's not till I hit them that I'm like, whoa, wait a second. 
we've hit a new phase, we've hit a new distinct zone in this story. And this one was very shocking to hit because I finished a chapter and it's like, okay, that one's done. Now what's next? What's coming up next? Look through my notes, sort it out. And I was like, whoa, wait a fucking second. Basically I've crested the final hill. I crested the hill, I'm looking down the other side and I'm like, there's the end. There's the fucking end, it's right there. What the fuck? There's like four or five more chapters to go. Maybe I'll come up with some more shit. Maybe it'll be six, you know, but just not that many. It's like, there's no more, no more of these hills where I can't quite see what's on the other side. Because as I blabbed about just last episode, I was blabbing about, you know, how I have notes and I have ideas and I have a plan, but it's not super distinct. It's like, as I get to each chapter, I might look two or three chapters ahead and I know where the ultimate goal is, but everything isn't super distinctly laid out. So, so that's why these things keep hitting me out of nowhere. I'm like, oh fuck, I just finished like a big section or the book split into, it was four parts and now it's five parts. No, my mistake, it's six parts now. I guess, yeah, I recently added a part because part five was getting very, very long. But, you know, I'd get to like an end of a part and be like, oh shit, that's clearly the end of the part. So yeah, this was a big one where I'm just like, what the fuck? That's it. That's it. That's the end. Like I remember in uh, Toronto specifically talking about how I hit a point where I was entering like the end game, like in a video game when it warns you that it's the last mission. And it's like, are you sure you want to go here? Because you can't go back after this. If you want to do any side missions and shit, do them now. And that's where I took a big batch of my notes and I was like, all right, these are never going to get used. The opportunity to use them has passed. None of this is relevant anymore. We're in the final-ish stretch. But now this is the actual very final stretch where I went through all the notes that I had left and put them in a specific chapter. I've got at this point five more. And like I said, as I go, maybe it'll stretch out a little but It might just be those five. And I put every note that I had in one of those folders for these last five chapters or tossed it in the fucking trash. <laughs> so if you're curious, after I put every note that I could still use into its final chapter slot, I had 191 unused files left in 19 different folders. <laughs> so because I mean, I had quite a few notes as I started and obviously I've been continuing to accrue notes as I write over this past three or so years. But yeah, 191 files that are just like, no use for you, my friend. But yeah, it's just crazy to be this close to the end. This is nuts. Like I've said over and over how I can't believe how slow this is. I did not think it was gonna take this long. It's taken twice as long as I thought it was gonna take. You know, early on I was theorizing about a two-year plan and it's more like a four-year plan and this is a first fucking draft you know after this there's still I assume editing will go a million times faster but then there's the true existential terror of like now I gotta fucking do something with this book but just that I'm this close to the end and I didn't stop it's fucking crazy because there is just that sense it's like both things at the same time where it's like this is working for me. I finally figured out my stupid little plan of like, let's work a little bit every day. And I believed in it so much 
mainly due to the nonfiction book I wrote using this method. I believe in this so much, I'm going to make a whole podcast about it. I believe this tiny bits of daily work is going to get me to the end. But then there's that other side of my brain that's like, you know, it's so abstract and I've never done it before. I've always failed every time I tried to write a novel. So I had both things happening. It's like, yeah, I'm confident this will happen. Slow but steady, it'll happen. And on the other side, I don't know, like, it's never, I've never done it before. Why do I believe I, it's going to happen this time? <laughs> so seeing the end is pretty crazy. It's like, I really did it. I made it this far. I'm going to make it. The worst fucking case scenario will be that nobody cares about this book and it goes nowhere. But that's infinitely better than my previous worst case scenario. Because my previous worst case scenario had always been I didn't finish. That's not going to happen this time. I'm so fucking close. I'm going to make it very, very slowly. It's going more slow than ever, but very, very slowly. I'm going to make it to the end. And it's like, wow, it fucking worked. Unfucking believable. <laughs> like, I don't want to set off the fireworks too early. I'm still not at the end. And it's going to take me fucking ages to get through these last five chapters. But it doesn't matter. A little bit every day, I'm going to make it. And I thought it was kind of interesting because this has happened to me before where I just suddenly hit a big milestone and I'm like, whoa, didn't expect that. I went back and found every episode where that happened. So I just thought if anyone's interested in stats, let's look at some stats. So I started writing this book in November 2017. I moved out west of Vancouver and I was like, that's what I'm here for. I'm going to start writing this book. And for those first three months, I did not do the podcast. I started the podcast as I got deep enough in that I was feeling good about things. And I'm like, all right, I'm confident this is going to happen. Again, I did not think it was going to take this long, but I felt confident enough that it's like, I'm going to fucking put myself out there with this fucking podcast. So the first episode of this podcast came out February 3rd, 2018. Three months in, I had just finished chapter 12. The next big milestone was a year later, January 5th, 2019, episode 79, Planning versus Inspiration. That's where I finished one of those big sections of the book. And I finished chapter 29. So already you can see things were going a lot slower, but still going. And that was like the first time I guess I noticed one of these unexpected milestones of like, oh shit, I just finished one of the big sections of the book and I didn't quite realize it was going to happen there. Next milestone is a year after that, December 16th, 2019. That was episode 109, the start of how it all ends. That's where I was saying I got to the end game part where I felt like I was really heading down that final fucking water slide to the finale seems like quite a long time ago now. <laughs> and I only finished chapter 34. That's pretty crazy. So that was almost a year. And I only got from chapter 29 to chapter 34. Like things had ground down to a fucking snail's pace at that point, because that's where I had done all the traveling, traveled all the way around the world, coming up with a million excuses for why things were going so slow. But uh, what I realized is that's just how slow I am. I'll get into that more, I guess, after. But then this final milestone where I could see the end in sight, 
like I said, I'm putting out this podcast some, somewhat after the fact. It happened on July 24th, 2021. So a year and a half later, I finished chapter 47 and the end is in sight. And yeah, as far as that slowness goes, I mean, I noticed the same thing with my nonfiction book is I felt like every day I was failing. It's like, I can't believe I only wrote a paragraph or I can't believe I only did whatever. And that nonfiction book went a lot faster than fiction. It did take about two years, but it was kind of uh, surprising to realize that I just always assumed I was a faster writer than I am. I just wasn't doing it. But I was like, ah, but you know, if I did write every day, surely I would be whatever speed that I just imagined I was. It wasn't until I wrote that nonfiction book and I really was just grinding it out day after day after day that I found out about myself, my own internal rhythms or whatever, my own mental processes are a lot slower than I thought they were. And that I was just like, oh, I, I'm a slow writer, good to know. So that's what I've learned this time is very similar thing where I just feel like I'm failing day after day after day, except instead of a paragraph, now it's like, I can't believe I only wrote three sentences or whatever, two sentences. Or things are taking double time because like one day I'll just write the rough note version of something and the next day I'll write the real version, which I've been doing the whole time, but now it's like just again, a tiny little bit of writing. But I'm just learning about myself that that's it. That's how fast it goes. Not fast. <laughs> it goes very slow. And I just, it's not that I've been failing and failing and failing for the last two years and just going at a really slow pace. That's just the pace. That's how it happens. And I have a feeling it's always, like it's not coincidence that I wrote 12 chapters in three months and then everything got slower and slower and slower. I think everything I work on is probably gonna be a similar way. It's just easier at first. And as you go, it just gets weightier and weightier, heavier and heavier. I talked about that last episode too, but just the whole thing is just such a giant weight. It feels so big and so tough, but it's fine to go slow as long as I don't stop. Just kind of not stop. And I feel like it's going mega slow now, now that it's all laid out and I really see the whole thing and there's no more unsuredness on the path. I see, I've got the chapters laid out, this, 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 and then we're done. But it's still going slow because, yeah, just all that weird dread of like, I've never finished a novel before. What if it's all fucked up? What if it's a terrible failure? What if it goes nowhere? I feel like I'm tiptoeing across a room and I don't want to wake up my own fear. <laughs> I don't want to rattle myself. I don't want to make myself aware of how close we're getting to the existential terror of letting someone else fucking look at this book. But if I just go slow and I just keep tiptoeing, it's like I can trick myself. It's like I can keep the scared part of myself asleep. Don't wake up, don't worry. We're just gonna tiptoe, we're just gonna get there. And yeah, I feel a lot more comfortable now, finally. Like I felt uncomfortable every day of the last at least two years at how slow I was going and I wished I could go faster and I felt like I was fucking up, but it's like, whatever, it just, it's working, so just keep going. For this end stretch now, I feel a lot more comfortable with it. Can you fucking believe this? There's somebody walking by. It's the middle, of, it's dark now, it's night. <laughs> they can hear me talking to myself. God fucking damn it. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, again, these are... These aren't the real woods, man. Though I guess if these were the real woods, probably I'd get eaten by a bear. But no, I wouldn't have sitting in a tree. Man, that's one thing. Owls have been scaring the shit out of me lately. When I walk up through this park at night and I've just got like, the phone on my flashlight, and a fucking owl will swoop by. And man, that's scary as fuck. It's like, holy shit. <laughs> I didn't expect that. But yeah, this mega slowness now, I'm just like, this is fine. Essentially, I made it. I'm gonna make it. There's no more question anymore. There's no more worry in that sense. Which again, I don't know, it's all just everything in this fucking podcast, this whole endeavor of writing, it's such a catch-22 all the time. Because I was just talking about how fucking nervous and scared I am, but then at the same time, I'm absolutely confident now that I'm going to make it, because I can see it right there, I'm so close. But you just have both feelings at the same time, it's just how it is. That's the human condition, that's just how it fucking is. But yeah, I'm also noticing with the slowness, again, like this is so slow, this is half the speed of what I used to complain about being my slow pace. But it's still working and it's still just clear that this is what I have to do. Like right now I'm just writing this chapter where it's... Surat the Rhino Girl still has to... You know, there's footage of her home planet exploding. She tried to watch it and she couldn't. She still has to have that reckoning. That's this chapter where she has to watch it. She just has to sit there and watch it and be able to face seeing it, you know? She just has to harden herself in the forge of this fucking horrifying thing. But to lead up to that, she's just thinking, kind of pontificating about her situation. Like, she's hooked up with the, the Akamulon, the, the space station itself, you know, she's simpatico with it. She doesn't have to be here anymore. She could leave. So why is she still here? She's still here because she doesn't know where to go. And, you know, she's just stuck. She's just mentally stuck. And any of the stuff she would have done on her home planet, she would have just gone for a fucking giant hike and just like, let's just hike through the dangerous wilderness and not eat until things become clear. And that's, you know, that kind of stuff that she normally would have done. She is not available to her anymore. What does she do? She's just stuck. And she's just thinking about the station. And this is where I'm dropping the information about escape pods and stuff that hasn't come up yet. But it's just like, she'll kind of think about the space station and now that she can see the manifest and see all the beings on the station and it's just not interesting to her. More and more, it's not interesting. But she kind of, you know, runs her mind across it, like running her hands across something. And it's, you know, all the little rough details of all the people on the station and all the stuff on the station just smooths out more and more as she just cares less and less. And like, what's left? What are the little bumps that are still left? And it's escape pods and ships, <laughs> you know, that's what she's interested in because because that's one thing that's weird about this book is like it's so telegraphed. It's not a surprise what's going to happen. It just keeps coming up more and more and more. Just the inevitability seems to be that she's going to blow this place up. <laughs> so she's just interested in escape pods. Like, oh, look at that. There's enough escape pods for everybody on board could have their own. And she starts thinking about like, well, I mean, there's a lot of them. There's so many of them. Like, even if the population of the station doubled, you could cram people in these escape pods and everyone would be okay. 
And she, you know, she's connected to the Acamulon, but it's this weird space fungus. It doesn't talk the way she talks. It doesn't think the way she thinks. She has a hard time parsing it sometimes. Ah, oh, I hate that so much. And there's fucking a siren. Ugh, that threw me off. Speaking of traffic, I just had to sit there for like eight fucking minutes waiting for a siren to stop fucking blaring in the distance. And it's just so fucking dark in here. I gotta get the fuck out of here. Let's get back to walking. But yeah, she has a hard time directly communicating with the Acamulon sometimes. Oh man, that threw me off. Come on, brain, get it together. Let's wrap this fucking episode up. But she infers from the number, the overabundance of escape pods that, you know, the Acamulon doesn't want to hurt these beings, these Nadarian, but it seems like it's been thinking about the destruction of this station for some time, for long before it met her. But she's also thinking about, you know, again, there's, uh, there are some longer range vessels she could leave but can, you know, it's hard to say how intertwined the Acamulon is with the station. If she did leave, would she have to leave it behind? Can it extricate itself from the station if there's still a station here? But does she care? Does she give a fuck? If she really wanted to leave, she would just leave. But again, she just doesn't know where to go. Nothing is clear. But stuff like that escape pod stuff, or would she have to leave the Acamulon behind? Or uh, I also came up with, there's longer range vessels, but she's been dismantling them. She's got one for her and the other Therium. But she's dismantling the other ones. But she hasn't dismantled them all yet, because maybe she'll leave one more, you know? Maybe Quailum, her jellyfish sort of friend, maybe he should get one. I mean, like, she... She wants to gift him with a different life, you know? She just, she doesn't want to just leave him floating in a short-range escape pod waiting for rescue. Seems like he, if anyone, should be given the opportunity to go somewhere, to leave. But just all these little tiny details that, you know, one day I come up with one of them, the next day the next one, the next day, the next one. Like there's like four little weird details about these escape pods that I didn't have four days ago, but now I do. So it's going really, really slow. But again, I'm just glad that it is. Like I just want, I want the first draft to be like not as good as possible. It's definitely all fucked up. I just want like each moment to moment. Like I want each thing to connect as carefully as possible tonally and just as far as the internal logic of the story goes i just don't want to skip any steps i want to connect each dot as carefully as i can and the only way i can do that that i feel comfortable that i've wrung everything out of these ideas or just i've i've hit all the details to the extent that i want to hit them is to go slow and now that I'm toward the end, it just has to be slow. It just has to be slower than ever. There's more I could say about that, but I'll save it till next time. I basically just wanted to say, 
So yeah, I'm really close to the end, and I just thought those numbers were interesting, like chapter 12 to 29 to 34 to 47, each one about a year apart. Slower and slower and slower, but, but getting there. But I also thought it was interesting going through all the notes for the last time, like this is it. This is the last run through these notes. Either these notes find a home now, or they really are done for. The same thing I noticed in December of 2019, but even more so. Just like really, really at the fucking very end, the very tip of the sword. Because back then, I guess it was either these notes stay in the running or they're gone forever. Now it's they go specifically in a specific chapter or they're done for. So I looked through everything and there were some notes in there that I totally didn't remember and that are from way back. Like the very initial idea for this story wasn't a rhino girl, it was just a human girl. And there was some stuff about taking the uh, rhino jellyfish metaphor a step further where one side was like a fire creature and the other side a water creature. They had different names. It was Evie and Abe. Evie for no reason I can remember. Abe because it was short for alien boy. So some really old notes and what I thought was interesting about these is uh, of course there's a lot that I thought weren't like good you know or I would use them like yeah, these ideas are are not the thing generally because they're too over the top, too bombastic, too kind of what I would say is like, uh, I don't know, like cliche. But I think that's kind of interesting too. So like for instance, uh, one of the early ideas was that when she got some control over the ship, she would recreate music from her homeland and upload the music into the system. So the other Therium could download it and play it and be reminded of who they are. And it would like incite them to sort of generalized rebellion around the station by hearing their music of their homeland or whatever. That's not such a bad idea, but there is no generalized rebellion. The other Therium are all very shell-shocked and don't do fucking shit really. It felt like just kind of empty rebellion, so I didn't use any of that stuff. Uh, even more so, I had like, she sends this final accusatory message to all the Nadarian on board before the place blows up like like this parting shot of like this is your own fault you brought this upon yourself your lame culture and blah 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 like I don't know it's just it's just so baby's first rebellious story <laughs> you know it's basically fuck you mom or I think school sucks or <laughs> whatever like it just just lame but that's all in there uh, also at the end, telling Quaylen the jellyfish boy directly that he did not have an adulthood ritual, but now he will. So say goodbye to mommy and daddy, because you're a big boy now. <laughs> just terrible shit. Just really shit. Like, that can be a definite undercurrent of what's going on. That's definitely sort of a theme, is she believes in adulthood rituals, extremely violent adulthood rituals, where he considers that abuse. But to directly say it and to be so like, like that's where it's like the hand of the author way too heavy or just like wearing my own bullshit on my sleeve where 
when the one character is telling the other character right at the end, here's what's wrong with your life. <laughs> you know, it's so obvious, like, yeah, that's what I think, you know? Where, I mean, the reality of my life is I didn't have any fucking adulthood rituals. If there is any in this society, I sure fucking failed them. I'm just some dickhead trying to write a book when he's fucking a fully grown person who hasn't achieved shit in life, <laughs> you know? <laughs> any of that stuff. To, like, take a side to that degree would just be... It would just be sad. <laughs> like, I didn't grow up in some, like... I don't know, like, where I was raised in a cave and they gave me an AK-47 when I was seven. I did not go through anything tough in life ever. So to try to really push that idea as like an actual philosophy, again, this can all be like a lower level subtext of the story. This is definitely what this character thinks, but to like really put it on Front Street makes it seem like it's just what I'm trying to say. And I have no fucking right to even have these opinions, <laughs> you know? It would just be, it would just be, Lame. And then this one, so super intense. This one is a really early note, because again, I just didn't really know quite what the tone of the story was or exactly how everything was gonna fit together. As it stands, this space station with the jellyfish people, they were there to observe her planet exploding in a scientific capacity. And I mean, that's pretty bad to just sit there and watch someone's planet blow up. But in the original note, this really old note, they actually caused the planet to explode. They were full-on villains. So she'd be totally justified in complete terrorism to blow up their space station with everybody on it. And let's see, what's the note? It's like she knows her parents wouldn't be proud of all the children and innocent people that she killed, but her parents are gone now, so she makes her own law. You know, I was just reading this shit and I'm like, I. Wow, I would hate that story. What a fucking shit. But I think it's good that all that stuff is there. Like, I think it's good that I have these notes that are scribbling way outside the lines. Because again, those are from ages ago. I forgot I even wrote them. But I think it's good that they're in there because I, you know, I found the tone of the story. And I think it's better to go too far in each direction. Like, it's better to go too far in the let's prescribe a distinct philosophy direction. It's better to go too far in the let's righteously terrorize this other species direction. And at the same time, I mean, I had a lot of notes that were just too pointless and too boring. I mean, in some ways, I guess like the music one, a little too low key and just too, I just don't have time for this. As kind of slow and mostly quiet as this story is, there's still plenty of stuff like the just recreating music from her home world and uploading it that it's just not relevant. It's just spinning the wheels. But that's another reason why I think it's good to have as many notes as possible before you start and as you go, rather than just coming up with stuff on the fly. Because having the notes, it like helps, you know, it helps you find the actual center. You gotta know what's not enough and you gotta know what's too much. And it was just kind of neat to look through all my shit and be like, yeah, I got all that shit. I got not enough, I got too much. Now those are all in the garbage pail <laughs> of never gonna get used stuff. But I think it was good to have them. Because what if it wasn't too much? What if just as 
over these last three years as I've been writing this story. What if blowing up all the fucking innocents and children really was how it was supposed to go? Like, as I've been feeling this out day after day after day, carefully trying to, like, build a little spider web, you know? This web hooks to this and this to this, and I'm carefully trying to connect each little moment to the next little moment. That option was there for it to be all crazy. Alright, for song of the day, this doesn't actually relate to anything I was talking about, but uh, just a good song. So I don't know shit about music theory. I listen to music all the time, but I don't actually know anything. And uh, I'm not an especially accomplished singer, so I find a lot of times I'll start like singing along to a song, and then I'll realize partway through that I'm in the wrong key. You know, there's something usually too high. The higher register is obviously harder for me. Where yeah, I just can't hit it, and I gotta I gotta re resituate myself because I was like, oh, I started in the wrong place. But one thing I found so unexpected, because again, I just don't understand music theory, is uh, the cardigans. Their most famous songs are like really high-pitched bubblegum pop, but later on, I think the singer's name is Nina Person? I hope I got that right. Anyway, later on in her career, she started singing lower. And whatever key she sings in from like 2005 on is fucking perfect for me. Like every time I can just start singing along and hit every note. It's perfect, you know? It's just whatever key she's singing in, that's the key for me. That's the one I'm supposed to be in. And it's just kind of neat because that's very rare to find someone I can just lock into so easily. And I wouldn't have expected it from the singer from the Cardigans, you know, because again, her voice is usually really high-pitched. So this is a song called Godspell. Just a really good song. Holy Love is really good too. Maybe I'll play that some other episode. But yeah, just fun to sing along to. Just a good song. So thank you for listening. I got thoughts that I want to try to expel. <laughs> filter, diffuse, I don't know what the word is, about, you know, I've talked about it before, but Yashike, that uh, Japanese storytelling style that's about calming fiction. I've made some discoveries along those lines that make me feel more confident about this book I'm writing. But it's like, it's confused in my brain still, so uh, hopefully we'll get to that in the future. <laughs> I remember there was I don't know, I make occasional promises in this podcast that never come true. Like sometimes I'll just go back to an old episode because I want to... Sometimes I like have story ideas or things that I said that I either didn't write down properly or listening back, it'll give me a new angle on one of the ideas. Anyway, an episode from ages ago where I bought a bunch of books in Vancouver and I went through and put aside all these quotes self-help quotes and I was like oh I'll get to these and I never did maybe next episode I'll do that too or maybe it's just constant lies all right here's Godspell by the cardigans thank you for listening